tēnā koutou katoa ki te whakarongo mai koutou ki te panel ko Wallace Chapman aho. Coming up on the programme, the latest on the COVID situation in Wellington where a man possibly infected with the Delta strain of COVID-19 spent two and a half days in Wellington doing tourist things. And Wellington moving to alert level two from 6pm tonight until 11.59 Sunday. More on that soon. Talking mental health today also, a new report out today by the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists shows New Zealand can't afford to waste another three years watching the crisis and mental health spiral further out of control. Also, we talk with legendary Wellington referee Rex Ward, still refereeing in his 80s. We picked up, we talked about uh, uh, the stigma of abuse and how referees really do cop it yesterday. So we're going to get Rex on, see what he's uh, seen. And it's the new item that has been targeted, catalytic converters. Why and what are they? With me this afternoon, Ali Jones, PR consultant, Papa Nui Innes community board member and insurance claimant advocate, Ali Kiora. Kiora Wallace. And James Norkise in the Auckland studio here. He's a comedian and playwright. James, welcome to the programme. Bulla Vanaka, brother. Bulla. Uh, 13 to 4. To get straight into it, Wellington will move to alert level 2 from 6 tonight until 11.59 Sunday. This due to an infected Sydney traveller holidaying in Wellington. The rest of New Zealand remains at level 1. So Wellington's level 2 restrictions include Kapiti Coast and Wairarapa. People who have been in the Wellington region and now elsewhere are asked to avoid Avoid large gatherings, as Wellington is in level two. Cabinet will review these settings on Sunday. So, for level two, people can socialise in groups of up to a hundred, go shopping, or travel domestically. Businesses can open to the public if following public health guidance, including physical distancing and record keeping. It is safe to send children to schools early learning services and tertiary education. Now, a new COVID testing centre will be open at the Hatayatai Park Netball Courts today. With us to discuss is Dr Saab Jahal, a registered clinical psychologist. Dr Jahal, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, panel. Kia ora. Lovely to have you on level two, but no lockdown. Is this sufficient? Well, based on the information that we've got, and that's all we can act upon, the biggest tool that we still have here is our behaviour. Now, taking a step up to level three would be a big call, I think, at this point. But I think that we need to pay attention and stay aware of the information as it comes in. So the next scheduled review will be on Sunday. But I assume that if any information that comes in to change that risk profile we will be hearing about it. Mm. And you mentioned that level two for the Wellington region also means that travel is permitted and that you take your alert level with you. Yeah, I think that that's really important because not only do we travel a lot, you know, within region, we're a highly mobile society, that when we travel interregionally, it's really important that we take that alert level two with us. And I think that also counts for the people who have left Wellington in the last couple of days. I think that they should act as if they are a possible transmission vector and make sure that they take the alert level two precautions with them. You know, the Delta variant of the virus is that much more transmissible. So we have less wiggle room now with the behaviours that we need to put in place in order to keep ourselves safe. We may have got away with it before. There's less likelihood for us to be able to get away with it now. Yeah, Ali, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I noticed it this morning I was not as 
quick to get the phone out and scan as I have been, um, but this has certainly um, brought it home. It, yeah. it can just change, can't it, so so quickly. So, um, yeah, I want to talk about this a bit later and maybe we're just a bit too slow in the way we're responding yeah. in New Zealand with the vaccination at the moment. Saab, it's James here. Um, it's, I, I was wondering if I could ask you about anxiety because as a, as a Wellingtonian who's not in, um, in Wellington at the moment, uh, as soon as I saw... There'd been a person there as soon as the announcement came. I, I felt my shoulders slump a little bit. Mm. I, I felt just a, a little bit of weight. I don't mean to make it sound dramatic to listeners, but maybe it sounds familiar. Um, what can people in Wellington or with family in Wellington do this weekend uh, to sort of uh, take care of uh, whatever anxiety is coming up? Mm, yeah, no, I can feel that as well. There's a despondency. Um, there's a weight that comes with that, as well as the anxiety and a little bit of worry. Hey, James. Um, I think what you can do is to make sure that you are doing all the things that you are supposed to be doing in terms of keeping yourself and those around you safe. So if you do have symptoms, err on the side of caution. Go and get a test. Keep yourself um, away from other people. Um, If you are going out in public, then wearing a mask costs you very little, but could be a really important preventative step in terms of protecting, again, yourself and other people around you too, and making sure that you carry on checking in. I think that's one of the things that I think the previous um, speaker also also talked about. You know, we we don't have time travel machines. If we could choose to, we could go back 14 days and and up our behaviour, but we don't have that. What the QR code scanning does is that it effectively lays a trail of breadcrumbs. And then we can compare these trails of breadcrumbs and to see if they've crossed over or come close to other people with trails of breadcrumbs, which we think are risky. And so this is the way that we keep each other safe. We can't do the ideal behavior two weeks ago, but we can start now and we can continue carrying on that behavior. Mm. And I think that people can do that in order to allay their worries in terms of possible exposure from today onwards. And just finally, I'm just thinking the breadcrumbs were well and truly laid with this uh, with this person, right? I mean, uh, uh, much mention has been made of the many and varied uh, and sometimes rather cultured places that he went to, cafes, galleries and otherwise, but uh, he really did uh, very well using that COVID tracer app. He did, and I, and I think we should be thankful for that, that we have a really good record of where this person has been, and yes, they managed to cram a lot into that time. But what we also need to do is that we all need to play our part in continuing to scan and keep records. You know, our memories are really, um, we we can't rely upon them when we try to think about what we've done over the last week or so. And that's why it's really good to almost contract that out to writing it down if we don't have smartphones, but making sure we're taking all the shortcuts, like making sure we've got the the app on our home screen on our phone so it's really right. as convenient as possible for us to switch it on and scan in painlessly and effortlessly. All right, very good. Kanui Akumihi, Dr. Jahal, thanks for your time. Kia ora. And for more on Alert Level 2, just check covid19.govt.nz. That's covid19.govt.nz, and you'll get all the information there on Level 2 uh, at your fingertips there. Well, among the events cancelled due to Wellington moving to Alert Level 2 is uh, NZ Opera's Wellington season of the Marriage of Figaro Opera. The classic Mozart performance was originally scheduled for 2020, but it had to be cancelled due to COVID-19. After a series of performances in Auckland, it was due to open at the Opera House in the capital tonight until COVID struck again. So it's not yet clear whether the event can be postponed or live streamed. But with us now is uh, John Moore, who plays Count Alma Viva in the production. John, welcome. 
Thank you for having me. Look, this must be pretty disappointing for the cast and crew, having this happen twice. Yes, of course. You know, we've got nine principal artists, a conductor, a forte pianist, approximately 20 local choristers here, Uh, Orchestra Wellington, some 20 production team, crew, wigs, makeup, and costume artists that were all ready and excited, certainly, to open tonight and are still excited to hopefully be able to get into the Opera House in Wellington and to perform Mozart's masterpiece for the citizens here. John, that's absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, as, a, as a live performer, auto yeah. comedy, much more scaled down than <laughs> opera. Uh, but uh, what, do you guys, what are you guys uh, doing to sort of rally yourselves? Because it, it is a heartbreaking situation. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, uh, you got to thank the leadership in New Zealand and uh, Greater Wellington for making the wise decision uh, to stay ahead of the evolving COVID pandemic. You know, it's still happening, and I think all of us, uh, you know, I'm from America. It was 18 months of, of, of work canceled outright, um, you know, the constantly changing conditions. And so um, myself and, and Richard Allersborough, who's also from America, we, we really understand what it's like to have your life completely shut yeah. down because of it. And, um, you know, so that you were certainly disappointed, but I, you know I can speak uh, for all the cast and crew and, and the NZ fa- uh, Opera family uh, when I say that the health and wellness of the citizens is the most important consideration. And you know we're going to do what we can to honor the audience with refunds or credits. And uh, you know we have the great hope that uh, this is merely a postponement due to the evolving conditions, and the audience can look forward hopefully to witnessing uh, what is one of the great operatic marvels. Well, let's hope you get to perform in uh, Otatahi Christchurch, uh, scheduled early July. For now, John Moore from The Marriage of Figaro. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's five to four time for I've been thinking Ellie Jones. I've been thinking about, um, I'm continuing to be pretty disappointed really by the lack of any decent reporting related to Southern Response. That was the government insurer that was that was set up and took on AMI, the insurer's Canterbury earthquake claims. Last week there was an announcement made by Minister, Minister David Clark. He is the Minister of Southern Response. And I understand that sort of confirms that SR will be the recipient of the biggest government bailout in New Zealand's history. Gosh. What is that figure? Well, who the hell would know? And I just am gobsmacked that a story in 2017 on stuff said that the government was topping up Southern Response funding to $1.5 billion. The figure that uh, Minister Clark mentioned last week was considerable, $300, million, $350 We must be getting close to the $2 billion mark now, but as I said, who the hell would know? So I, I just, the fourth estate state is so important, isn't it, as holding people to account, just ask Mel Reid. Uh, we need people to be reporting intelligently, fully and analytically around these things. I saw the Southern Response story and announcement by Minister Clark reported on, but it was a regurgitation of the media release. So, so this fell through the gaps a bit. Well, it did, although I talked about it with a couple of reporters. Now, whether they just can't get their head around it or they don't see the importance and or, or they're under-resourced, I don't know, Wallace, but it just doesn't get the coverage that it should. Just while we're here, um, what will it mean? This package offers what a top-up to payment uh, to customers. Do, does it mean that uh, most people would have their uh, claims settled uh, full and finally? Well, yes, it would, but these are questions that have to be put to the minister, and actually the media release and the information that was provided was absolutely terrible. It was convoluted. We couldn't even find the detail in the package. Yeah. Uh, nothing can happen until a court finding, which is still under consideration, is released. But again, that wasn't really explored in the story.
Right, Ali, thanks for reminding us on that story there. Um, James Nokise, I've been... Thinking. Uh, I've been thinking about the Dawn Raids apology, which has uh, just been postponed. Uh, just because, uh, you know, most of the Pacific community are, are probably going, fair enough. But there is also that, ugh, of it's, it's just a little bit longer. Um, and, you know, a lot of preparation had gone in. It's not just, it's happening in Auckland. But I had family uh, from, uh, from Wellington, from Christchurch, who couldn't afford weekend flights. So we're carpooling, coming up. Um, it's those... It's, it's those little setbacks, but hopefully what makes me optimistic is it gives a little bit more time for the people apologising uh, to consider what they say in the apology and, and for the people being apologised to uh, to consider what they want to hear from that apology because we only just had it announced that the apology was happening and now it's yeah. happening now. So it gives a little bit more space there. And it's absolutely the right decision. Like you, It would really it screw up the dorm raid apology to infect uh, the dorm raid generation uh, with covid uh, Is it talked about in the Pacific community, uh, and maybe your your whānau or wider? Uh, a, a wider family is it? Is it, is it no, talked about? No, I think uh, it's it's it, it it takes a lot. It, it is talked about, but it takes a lot for it to be talked about. Um, it's it's. Right. I think that's the thing with any. It's not just a Pacific thing. Any culture that has a generational trauma in them. Uh, I I think you know getting those stories out of your parents, out of your grandparents. Um, you know, out of your older siblings, um, they don't necessarily want to talk about it. it. It's too hard. So, you know, there was going to be a lot of stoic people with a solitary tear uh, on Saturday, <laughs> Saturday evening, and then a lot of younger people watching them go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Oh, now, someone says, so frustrating to be reminded about scanning. A few of us, a very small few, have never stopped scanning. Every time I'm out, I wish I had the guts to shout to all and sundry, for goodness sake, scan in. Each level change and we are reminded to scan, it has become ridiculous how quickly everyone, almost everyone, just stops again, hopeless. Uh, what do you see around you? Do you see people scanning or otherwise? You can text us on that, 2101. This afternoon, I am with Ali Jones and James, James Nokise. Stay with us.